Okay, everybody, now it's live from Denver Tech Center in Colorado. You've got Coach Moles and Mark Cooper, former offensive lineman for the Denver Broncos. And uh, show me the ring again. Do the ring, do the ring thing again. We're on episode five, <laughs> right? And, that's, and, and everything that goes on today, we, we blame typically on a defensive lineman. Because uh, uh, <laughs> our guest is an offensive lineman like myself uh, from the uh, smarter side of the, of the line of scrimmage. So we'll have a little bit of fun with the, the, the guys, the overeating side of the ball. Uh, with Wes Hamilton. And, uh, look at Wes. Look how, look how svelte he is, Coop. I, I was wondering about that. He, he look look at him. Oh, see why I love coming here yeah, with he you guys. <laughs> He's looking pretty svelte. He's looking <laughs> awful nice, but anyway, let's get off the uh, dating part of the show. No, no, Why don't no, you? Hey, no, <laughs> I said some love over to the other offensive guard, right? <laughs> yeah, it's two guards. This it's, is a, two guards. it's the only time. <laughs> yeah. Only time we get it, right? When we give it to That's our right. to, to each other, right? <laughs> so, uh, if you can quit the love fest, can you continue the intro, <laughs> intro of the well, show, I, please? You know, Wes, hey, Wes, Wes speaks for himself. I mean, just a tremendous football player. A tremendous football family. That's what we're going to kind of get into, and that's that's, that's a lot. Right. Of, that's going to be a lot of fun for you as a dad and and mm-hmm. a granddad, right? Right, right, so, right. So you got some ties right. here to Colorado with uh, Valor High School and and uh, Ben over there coaching, and uh, Ben being a former Denver Bronco. What nine nine, ten, nine years here, and then a, another year in Seattle. Right. And, um, he was after me, after us. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. The old guys, yep. After the old guys, and uh, now. Mm-hmm. He's, Got got some boys playing, and you yeah. got some grandsons playing, so that's got to be yeah. double fun. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a dad like you with a kid down in UTEP playing uh, offensive tackle, and you right. had a son go all the way to the NFL, and now you got grandsons playing and being coached. And tell tell us a little bit about that. That's a, that's a great feeling, isn't it? It's a it's a good feeling. You know, I feel like uh, gee, you know, we got a little bit of a legacy going here yeah. now. You know, yeah. getting uh, down to the third generation. And uh, no, it's been great. You know, I I feel like we didn't really push anybody into uh, football as far as my uh, two sons went, but uh, it was just uh, they were just around it all the time, and <clears throat> it turned out that they uh, enjoyed it too, and and especially uh, my older son Benny uh, just really took to it. Was a great player uh, growing up. You know, and, uh, you know, he learned a lot along the way in high school and uh, certainly uh, developed pretty well in college. And, uh, you know, that provided a great entry into the NFL for him. And uh, I, I think he had a great career there at Denver. Well, let's give some people, give us a little background so everybody knows from your side. You were drafted in the, what, the third round, right? Uh, right. By the Minnesota right. Vikings, and you played nine years. So That's right. So kind of bring us from, uh, take us from youth football through high school, college, and then into the pros. And then, then, we'll, walk, then we'll talk about Ben and, 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 your, and your other son and, and, and your grandsons. Yeah, okay. Well, I was uh, kind of a, a late arrival as far as uh, coming to football, and I didn't actually uh, start playing until halfway through high school. And, uh, you at know, for, Floss, from that at, point, home, at Homewood Flossmore? Yeah, which is a suburb of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, there, it's uh, where I grew up. And uh, uh, I was involved in other sports, but uh, not football until later on was uh, more or less uh, coerced into it, uh, quite honestly, with uh, uh, by my uh, coach, you know, football coach, who felt like everybody ought to be ought to be playing, but in particular anybody that was over 220 pounds. And so uh, that's how I got involved, and it turned out to be you know the, one of the best things that that I've ever done. Uh, made a big difference, obviously, in in my life, and uh, I I thank him all the time. For being persistent, and uh, uh, until the point where <clears throat> I finally came out for for the sport, and <clears throat> excuse me, so uh, played there, uh, developed to the point where I was able to uh, go to college on a scholarship at uh, Tulsa University down in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, a, a lot of uh, turning points for me. Uh, when I was down there, a lot, a lot of milestones, I guess I should say. Uh, Tulsa was a, a great place uh, for me, you know, and I, I learned a lot. Certainly learned a lot about football, 
and I had some great coaching down there, and uh, it'll help me uh, develop along the way there. Hey, Wes, uh, my wife, Wes, did you know yeah. Denver Johnson? Uh, I have met Denver. Uh, we didn't no. play together. He uh, he actually uh, came after me, after, yeah, right after. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, Denver was a great player, you know, down there at uh, at Tulsa. My brother uh, played at Tulsa also, and uh, he and Denver played played together. Yeah, that's so. What, uh, Denver told me on Facebook last night. He, <laughs> I've known Denver for a while through coaching. He's been coaching yep. all over the place. He actually coached at Colorado University for a while, but we'll get off okay. that topic. I'll let you switch back to. Your, uh, yeah, chronology yeah. Here. So you know, so that's that's that. Uh, you know, had a, uh, a a lot of milestones, as I said. I, I learned what it means to uh, to follow Christ uh, when I was down there, and that was a big turning point for me uh, in my life that uh, changed everything. Uh, plus, uh, my wife and I, we'd known each other for, for a long time, but we got married uh, when I was down at Tulsa. So you know, a lot of things, a lot of uh, game changing. Uh, Things happened to me uh, while I was there, and so I look fondly back on my uh, time at Tulsa. And then uh, we had a uh, we had a coach that was an NFL player uh, at one time, and so uh, he taught me some things, and all of us uh, some things that uh, that actually I think prepared me a little bit better to uh, uh, come into the NFL. And then uh, after my senior year, I got drafted by the Vikings, and. Uh, uh, we've been up in Minnesota uh, ever since, you know, that time. Stuck up in Minnesota. Now, you were born in Texas mm. City, Texas? Right. Yep. So mm-hmm. uh, what was the transition from Texas City? <coughs> what, did you move? Was your dad military or something, or did he get a transfer no. job? Or? No, he uh, he worked for uh, Standard Oil, and uh, okay. he, uh, we, we, yeah, I was, I was in Texas until I was about 10 years old, and uh we moved up to Chicago, so I, I really grew up there, you know, in Chicago. I think the, the real culture shock was when I went back down to Tulsa again. You know, it's just, uh, <laughs> Tulsa's great. You know, it's uh, we really in, in, enjoyed it a lot. But one of the great things about it is just a very uh, laid-back uh, atmosphere compared to what it's like being in the city. Oh yeah, near yeah. Chicago. Yeah, they got great, you know, guys, so. great high school football down there too. But yeah, they do. So in '77, you you got to play against the Raiders <coughs> in the Super Bowl. That's right. That's right. So did you see a little bit of Ted Hendricks in that game? Saw so Hendricks. Uh, I I wasn't starting uh, in that game. Uh, I did play quite a bit uh, in the game. So I saw Hendricks, uh, Matuzak, yep. and uh, Otis Sistrunk and. Uh, I tell you, they were uh, they were pretty tough. At least they were that day, you know for sure. Hey, they all, we got them twice a year because, um, I, like I said, I followed you into the league um, in uh, in '83, and, and we still mm-hmm. that was like Hendricks last year, and Alzado mm-hmm. and Howie and and all the boys. So and Matt, right. Matt Millen, et cetera, and they yeah they were I tell you they were always tough. I mean that, that was always a grind and a lot of fun yep. too. Yeah, it's pretty tough. We, we had a pretty good team then in '80 uh, or '77, and I. Uh, uh, I found it uh, pretty difficult to imagine that we might lose, you know, that game because uh, we we were actually on a pretty good roll, you know, going into the playoffs and uh, played playing pretty well, but uh, we couldn't do anything against was them it, was that it, day. So was it McClanahan that fumbled on the goal line on the first drive of the game? Was it, uh, that's, that's that's one of my repressed memories. I don't really uh, <laughs> I can't really confirm or, or deny that. Well, I was there. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, oh, okay. I, I was at the game. Oh, it was in the it was in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, and uh, and the we were surrounded. I think there were like 12 Minnesota Vikings fans in the stands. Oh, is that right? Well, everybody's for the Raiders. They're from California, right? It was a home right. game for the Raiders for sure. Right. I think hey, that wait, had a lot to do. Uh, was Otis Anderson to... still there? Who's that? Was Otis still there with you guys as a running back? Oh, no, I'm thinking, Otis oh, Anderson? No, 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 I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. No, I'm Chuck thinking, Foreman. Uh, Chuck Foreman, yeah. yeah Chuck Foreman. Oh, yeah, Chuck. Yeah, yeah. Chuck was, was Miami guys. Yeah. yeah, Otis was a Miami guy. Chuck was a Miami guy. And, right. Uh, yeah, class act, by the way. Yep. But, uh, but yep. He, was up, he was at the end of his career about that point, wasn't he? Uh, he played... Oh, about three more years, okay. you know, after that. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But he, uh, ate, he had a he tough day that way. day, too. kind of ate his way out of the league. I remember. Because uh, the second time I went back to the Vikings, uh, Wes, 
was uh, foreman was there both years, and the second year he came in, and I remember all the like uh, Jim Marshall and those guys going, "Hey, to to Bud Grant, you know, hey, Co- hey, Bud, who's the new defensive lineman?" Because he was so big, he came in so big, and that was kind of the end of it. He kind of he just ate himself out of the league. He was in great shape the first year I went up there. He was in great shape and running the ball really well. But he just mm-hmm. wow had a bad off season. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it happens to all of us, you know, eventually, but. Uh... Chuck played a a long time and uh, you know pretty high level, and I think for a running back, yeah, he was a great player. He was a great player. He hung in there for a long time. He was a tremendous football player. So, what? what, Tell us a little bit about Bud Grant. I mean, how how was he? Who was your offense? Oh, okay, you had Radakovich a little bit too. We talked about that before the show, but who? uh, Yeah, who were your offensive line coaches, or or what? Tell tell us a little bit about Bud Grant, or uh, because I mean, Moles has told me a few things, you know, over the years about. Uh, but you know, you know, basically, basically when he was being cut. But you know, that's we'll leave that story alone. Yeah, I had I had two personal meetings with three personal meetings with Bud. Yeah, mm-hmm. that most people don't have. But go ahead. Yeah, well, I I can uh, I can recall whole seasons where I went through a whole season and never never spoke a word to Bud personally. You know, so uh, but uh, he's he a great coach. You know, a great leader. Uh, for sure, uh, definitely had a, uh, his own style about things. But uh, the thing I liked about about Bud was that he was uh, very even keel. You know, even you know uh, wins losses, you didn't see much difference in him in the way that he started coaching us. You know, the uh, the next week, you know, for the, for the next game, it's just whatever happened that's in the past. Now let's uh, turn our attention toward what's what's coming next. And uh, nothing seemed to linger with him for very long. And and uh, the other thing about Bud that that I liked, I don't know if it if it helped him or hurt him really, but he was a I think very loyal uh, guy, you know, to especially to to uh, many of the players that um, that had done well for him. You know, he went out of his way to to keep them around. You know, maybe even a little longer than than they should, you know, just, uh, for, for example, uh, we, we had a lot of, uh, the, the year that we went to the Super Bowl. I think going into that season, Bud knew we were going to have a, a pretty good shot at it. And, uh, we, we, Ryan, you probably remember we had, uh, a lot of older players uh, on oh, yeah. that team. Oh, yeah. And when I say older, I mean, you know, 15 year, 18 years, you know, yep. in the league, you know, that, we're, we're still on the team. And I, and I believe uh, th- this is not something that was ever uh, said to me, but just my observation is that, that Bud uh, kept a lot of those guys on the team, you know, for that year because he knew we were going to be pretty good. And, and we had a, we had a pretty good chance to, to do something and, and uh, possibly win the Super Bowl, And, and he wanted them to be a part of it. Well, yeah. He, so uh, he did that. Yeah, when I when I went up there, I looked at guys like Steve Craig standing next to Steve Voigt, and God bless Steve Voigt was one of my favorite players. But he was on in his years, you know. And I'd see Steve Craig was just a, you know, just a, a chiseled athlete, right? And then uh, another one was Doug Sutherland, who was at the tail end of his career, and he was a great player as well. And uh, I saw some of these defensive lineman coming in and I go they're going to keep this guy over these other guys you know and uh, mm-hmm. you know I, I didn't fare well with it either because I was trying to beat out Jim Marshall and Carl Eller yeah right um, yeah good luck mm-hmm. it, it didn't fare well for me either but um, yeah but let's talk about Radakovich for just a minute because he was a classic <laughs> we, uh, we both had the opportunity to be coached by Bad Rad and uh, what was his first name? Dan Radakovich. Dan, okay. Yeah, and Dan, yeah. Dan had been all over the league. Um, yeah, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, the Rams. Denver, Rams, yeah, us. Yeah. Uh, Jets, I think uh, he made some comments about. But one of the funny stories, uh, so uh, when I when Radakovich was coming to Denver, Gary Dunn 
who played nose guard. I'm sure you played against him over the years, yep. uh, 12 years mm -hmm. with the Steelers. He calls me up and he goes, oh, Coop, you got bad rad. I go, <laughs> I go okay, well, in. He says, he says, here's a great story. He says he was driving home from practice, and he drove into the house, went inside, sat down at the kitchen table, started reading the paper, got himself a cup of coffee, and then yeah. the owners came home and asked him what he was doing there. He was doing in their house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I heard that story. Story. yeah. It's, yes. it's a true story. It's a true story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, 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 I don't know if, if you remember, but he would, he he wore glass. He wore these glasses in right. film, right? Mm -hmm. And he would always. Yeah. He must have gone through a hundred pair of glasses. He'd throw his glasses down, and he and he he all all he talked about was how he invented the tackle trap, right? And, and some other things, but when we tested, he—I don't think he ever graded us, right? I don't think he literally ever graded us because I, I don't know that he always knew who we were supposed to block, right? And, and, and we were running the Cowboys' offense, right? So you had—you know—when you're growing up, even numbers are to the right and odd numbers to the left. Well, in Denver, you know, odd numbers were to the right and even numbers were to the left. So you know, you've been training your entire football career, even. Right, odd left, and now it's opposite. Right, right. Uh, now tell right. me, so you're running into each other oh, the first two weeks. You, oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you run, you run, you know, counter tray, or we called it OT. Right, you get guards and tackles all running into each other. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and, I think you did it for fun. Yeah. <laughs> just have you running into each other. Just, yeah, just just to get that going. And uh, how long did he coach? How long did he coach you, Wes? Just the one year. I, I, you know, I he, was, he was there in '84 when uh, Bud had retired, and uh, we had a new staff in there, and uh, and uh, it was interesting because we we actually uh, had a guy Les Steckel, you know, that came yeah. in. Les was a great Les was a great position coach, and he did a lot for us. Uh, I, I, I know Les. Ready. I know Les yeah. really well. We can talk about that okay. later. But go ahead. Yeah, you know, I, I don't uh, think that he was ready for, for what he came into, you know, there at Minnesota. The main problem, uh, I, I won't say the main problem, but one of the, the problems was, I know I'm getting off topic here a little bit, was uh, was that they, you know, Bud had retired, and uh, everybody thought that Jerry Burns, our offensive coordinator, was going to get that job. Yeah. Uh, they hired uh, Steckel instead, and, uh, but with, one of the uh, uh, caveats, I guess, or the uh, conditions of him being hired was he had to keep all of Bud's coaches that uh, that Bud had, had you know, on his staff. And there were a lot of them, you know, there. And so we sure. we had Burns, who had you know the probably rightly felt that he was passed over, you know, for the job, and you know, a lot of other coaches that were very loyal to Bud and uh, not loyal to Les, you know. It, uh, particularly, not to say that they did anything um, against that, but, uh, I mean, but I they, they were not very enthusiastic. And, and the other thing about it was that uh, uh, Les hired his own coaches, too. So you, sh you should see our team picture, you know, from that year because their coaches take up about two rows, you know, on that on that picture. We had our Bud staff and we had Les's staff and uh, everybody was doing things that they they'd never coached. Before in their in their careers, and one of those, you know, Red came in and um, took over for our offensive line coach, um, John Michaels. John Michaels, Michaels was coach. still on. Yep, and uh, you know, Michaels, uh, he he was a great coach. I mean, he really he was. was, and uh, he got he found himself moved to running backs. You know, had to coach the running backs. Wow, yeah, that season, and Red, you know, coached us. And, you know, they did a you know a good job, but to, you know to say uh, eccentric, you know, is is right. really <laughs> under understating it. Uh, you know, the the story you know that you told just uh, you know that that's you know, I, I it just reminds me so totally of him. Uh, I I seen him one time so concentrating, you know, in a meeting of ours of, of uh, he was concentrating on. Uh, going to write on the blackboard he's looking at a paper and i saw him uh, uh put a piece of chalk in his mouth and start writing on the blackboard with a cigarette <laughs> <laughs> and didn't realize it until you know he looked up there and so some of the some of the uh, the people who watch our podcast or listen to our podcast uh will 
listen to my brother Mark was on our podcast, and you're good. You've kept a good, strong friendship with Mark from what uh, from what I understand, and you might remember right. that Mark left camp during that Les Steckel deal. Um, a lot of people did disappeared yeah. for for a while. That was a a, a confusing time. But so, uh, Wes, you're uh, you, you're friends with Mark, and right. uh, you know he was he Mark was a pretty good player. He was a pretty yeah. uh, humble kind of player, though I think uh, both you mm-hmm. guys were. You guys were kind of matched up as friends, and uh, you're still friends, and uh, you do a lot of things, uh, Christian events together, right? Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's uh, Mark told me to tell you hello. I was going to have him call in today, but. <laughs> Mark is technologically handicapped a little bit, so but he's a he's a tremendous tremendous man. And uh, Wes is uh, Wes was the same thing. He Wes was a gentle giant. He wouldn't say a bad word about anybody. You know, he was. Uh, and uh, I patterned myself after my father. And Wes remembers my. You remember my dad, don't you, Wes? <laughs> Yes, I do. <laughs> he he's, a piece he's in of the bad red category. <laughs> <laughs> you know <what> yeah, <laughs> something like that, yeah, right? Like yeah. The reason you look uh, so great and I, I look a little beat up is because I still got a few wounds from the old days. Is what yeah. the old man was was yeah. all about. But anyway, so let's uh, let's uh, kind of transition to. Uh, Life after football and where you are uh, with the NFL, what you're doing. Are you doing anything with the NFL right now, Wes? Are you part of anything? I, I know you're in the Legends program, right? I'm in the Legends group, and uh, I, you know, I think the Vikings and the league have done a very nice job of uh, uh, keeping track of the, the alumni You know, here, especially here You know, in uh, Minnesota. I'm real happy with the way that they're, they're uh, keeping track of us and involving the alumni in, in different things, and uh, some of it is uh, uh, charitable events, some of it's appearances for the team and, and uh, things of that nature, but uh, uh, it, it makes us still feel like we're a part of what's going on, and I, I really uh, have appreciated that, especially uh, the, some of the initiatives that the Wilfs have, uh, have done uh, just for that thing, you know, just to make sure that the alumni are included and a lot of the uh, things that go on during the year. So you, you play with some great players. You play with Ron Yeri. Yeah. I mean, right. for, unfortunately, uh, as a rookie, I went in to face all these guys. I used to go against <laughs> Ron Yeri for two hours twice a day. That was a – I don't know what I did to God, but he got me on that one. But Ron Yeri, you, had, uh, right. you were the right guard, as I recall. Yeah. Dennis Willie yeah. was the center. Jim Jim Huff was there, and then Brent Boyd came in after Jim got hurt, as I remember. Yep. And I still talk to Brent a little bit, um, especially through Facebook. He was highly involved in the concussion stuff. Oh, right. And then Steve Riley. Attorney, right? Brent's an attorney. Yeah. I don't know if he's an attorney. He sure acts like one, though. He goes to he goes to Congress and everything else. I don't know if he was actually an attorney or not. Mm -hmm. But do you ever do you uh, Wes? Do you ever did you do you stay in contact with all those? players that you used to play with uh no not not as much as i'd like to uh, anymore I, I see yuri uh every now and then never know where he is you know that's the the main thing but uh, he sometimes california? he'll just he's in california yeah. but uh uh you know I, I don't get out there very much uh we talk every now and then and uh, uh I've, I've been out to the hall of fame uh, inductions and all the past Hall of Fame players usually come back for uh, for that, and so I I have seen him you know out there functions like that, and uh, and then the other guys you know there's not too many of them that are still around here you know I've seen uh, Swilly you know once or twice is he still in and, Minnesota or does he go back to no, Texas? Uh, he's he's uh, last I heard he was living near uh, uh, San Antonio. Uh, okay. I'm not sure if he's if he's uh, still there anymore. I, I I hear he's he's started a uh, some sort of a uh, country western singing career, you know, or you know something like that. Like he never even uh, played the guitar, you know, when uh, when I knew him. But he was an old Texas cowboy. I guess. Yeah. Well, a&M. Yeah. A&M. Right. right. So you're yeah. what about Steve Riley? Uh, 
Yeah, he was back in California, and uh, he owned a business out there. Uh, he and his wife, and uh, really nice guy. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you you wouldn't recognize him anymore. He lost about a hundred pounds uh, as soon as he retired, and he was never that big, you know. To, well, I mean, to at some with. point, all you guys had to get married. You had to lose all that weight, you know. Right. You know, yeah. don't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, so. Tell us a little bit about uh, about Ben. Ben went to the University of Minnesota, you know, and yeah. he went to high school at uh, where, Wyzetta. He went to Wyzetta? Yep. Nice. Mm-hmm. And so he uh, tell us about that transition for him and you and your family. Yeah, it was good. I mean, we, we knew that uh, he was probably going to be a, a pretty good player. You know, like I was saying before, I, I think just being exposed to it, you know, in our family – got him interested. I don't think I had a whole lot to do with it. You know, when he was, uh, when he was younger, I might've been able to show him some things that other, uh, 10 year olds, you know, didn't, didn't know. But once he got into high school, he got some really good coaching there. And, uh, even though he was, a uh, definitely an undersized player, uh, he, he played really well, you know, in high school and was, uh, uh, all state, uh, there in Minnesota. And, uh, the question was, was he going to be able to go any, any further? And, and I think, you know, a lot of teams liked him, but, uh, just were concerned about his size and, uh, you know, his senior year, he was, you know, weighed about 220 pounds, you know, when, uh, when he was playing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that, that was tough, you know, t- uh, to, get people to look past that and, and see if there was any potential there. And the Gophers did. Uh, he, he was probably the last offer, you know, that they gave anybody. Where, where, where did he graduate from high school? It was, uh, it was 96, 96, I think. 95, yeah. 96. Yeah. Yep. As an offensive so, line at 220. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They don't, sure. do that. they don't do no, that anymore. No. They don't recruit guys they, like they, that they anymore. Talking, no, they, if you're I, had, I had a tough time with two, my son at 260. You'd have gone oh. Division 220. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it's a little different now. Oh, yeah. It's definitely oh. different now. But, but it, you know, it wasn't too far off from what's, what was happening with him back then. And I think, you know, they just – they just liked him because he, he performed, you know, pretty well. And so – and he had uh, – uh, very good attitude about it, and uh, he was successful because he wanted to be, and uh, and it paid off for him. But uh, I remember uh, their offensive line coach uh, told me at, at uh, the Gophers. Um, he said when they, they were getting ready to start him, his he, he redshirted his first year, and they were going to start him his his second year, and they'd spent the whole redshirt short year trying to you know get him up you know at least at 250 or so and and uh, he uh the uh, college offensive line coach was uh, a guy named elliot Uzalak. don't know if you know <laughs> that guy or not but uh these yeah guys, he's offensive uh, line coach what was that guy, Bazovich, what was that guy? Uh, and now you got Uzalak or like he was uh yeah he he was a Radakovich type, you know, a guy, but uh, maybe a little more, maybe a little more focused, you know, than than Rad. But but uh, uh, he he told me he says, you know, I've been calling other coaches in the Big Ten and uh, saying, hey, I I got this center. Yeah, I'm thinking about starting a 250 pound center, you know, next year, a freshman. You know, you know, what are you thinking? Everyone said you can't do it. He's, they said it'll be the end of your career. You know, if you <laughs> if you do something like that. <laughs> but uh, but he came in and he and he, uh, and he did well and he uh, kept gaining weight through the years. And um, well, he was a consensus All American twice. Is what yep. I understand, right? At Minnesota, yep. most of most yep. great fundamentals. I think the University of Minnesota had like three yep. guys in the history of the school that were consensus All Americans. I mean. Uh, wow. t- for two years, I mean that's an amazing mm-hmm. that's an amazing statistic. So, he, so he, yeah. he goes through college, he graduates from the University of Minnesota, and in his senior year, right. he gets drafted by the Denver Broncos in the fourth round. He gets yeah. drafted by the Broncos, and I and I think uh, a lot of the same questions were were going through their their minds. Uh, you know, by then, 
you know, he, he played his senior year at, at Minnesota about 285. Okay, so he was bigger. Yeah. And, and between then and the combine, he somehow got himself pumped up to a little over over 300 pounds. But uh, I think everybody knew this is not a 300-pounder, you know. And, uh, you know, so I, I think a lot of those same questions about size uh, came into play, you know, with the Broncos. And, and uh, quite honestly, I'm not sure if there's many other teams – in the in the league that would have uh, uh, played an offensive lineman that that was that small. I think uh, you know by well uh, just just to say that uh, you know Denver uh, that their philosophy fit a little bit better. I think to what he was his exactly. tools were. Yeah, yeah I mean he was. Yeah, I mean they all their guys were relatively lighter. You know, yeah, and of it, course they and could run athletic. Yeah. Well, so I'm, here's what I'm going to do. When I finally cut this video and we put it up and everything, I'm going to put a picture up right now of me at the Denver Broncos uh, camp that we did, group that, that we always did for the Denver Broncos high school player <coughs> development stuff. And the players would come over, and I'm about six, four and a half to 65, 270 right now. Mm-hmm. I've got a picture of me standing next to Dalton Reisner and John LeGlue. It is the funniest thing you'll ever see. I show it to my kids and everybody. I look like a tiny little boy <laughs> between these two guys. And you'll see it when, uh, when when I finally put this thing together because I'll put the picture in there. These guys are massive, oh, yeah. just absolutely massive. I don't uh, I don't think a lot of people that I know would, would play in these days um, – Although I think the guys that I went against with the Vikings were a lot tougher people. And when I went to the Bears, tough people. Then I went down to the Rams. And, you know, those those guys down there, you know, Hannah was there when I, when I was there. I mean, these, mean Hera. Hera, yeah. Yeah, yeah Hera was, was there when, yeah, when I went down there. Yeah, six-time All-Pro. Yeah, and, and they were nasty people. You know, and you could do a lot of things with your hands and – legs and stuff that, that you can't do anymore you know funny funny story about para so uh, paul howard was here right and paul taught me and then I, and I and then dennis reinforced it like we used to get those little soccer little soccer shin pads and we'd put, oh, yeah, yeah. put the soccer shin pads on the front and on the back right and we'd whip kick people like going out of style <laughs> Like if you don't go to right rear guard, you're overrun the linebacker. He tries to run underneath you, you just fall to the ground, and right. whip kick him, right? And yeah, I mean, yeah. And you usually, if you try that without a soccer pad on, you're gonna blow your calf up, right? You're gonna be limping right. for a week. Well, on those, it was like whack. I mean, like, uh-huh. I mean, and, and they go down, and they're and they're not and then they're not feeling very good because they just got their shins kicked. <laughs> So Wes doesn't know this, but I, I got ended up getting uh, setting some kind of record. I think I got cut six times in my professional career, and I ended my career with the Arizona Wranglers of the USFL, and they moved me to nose tack, nose guard, and oh, nice, <laughs> and I was a 262 pound nose guard and high lowing. Was legal back then. You could you could oh, still stand you, them up and cut them. They down. call them chop blocks, right. but they take right. high and low. You know, every single play. And I'm like, this is the dumbest position. I would hate football. <laughs> if I, I mean, those guys high load me literally on every play. I got hit in the legs every single play, and after after games, I couldn't even walk. And but they would they would do something else once they'd get me on the ground, always do something else to me, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, grabbing my personal parts and or, or some crap. These guys yeah. played with Wes back in the day. It, yeah. it was different, wasn't it? Describe that. If you, if you remember, I know you weren't cause you were always a kind of a clean, happy guy. I never really saw you get upset. I don't think ever, but, uh, there were well, other yeah. nasty people on that. <laughs> That we played against. Well, right? yeah, I mean, uh, definitely the rules were different. 
you know, then, and, uh, you know, the attitudes, I think, may be a little bit different as well. You know, for one thing, I mean, a training camp was about, uh, oh. I mean, only six preseason games, and uh, and we were in camp for, for most of those, and so, you know, you get kind of ornery, I think, you know, when you're, when you're away. So I got, I, along. I got picked up by the Bears when I went, left the Vikings, and <clears throat> I had to go to rookie camp. Because they didn't have enough guys. And there was only me and this guy named Scott Zedek out of Notre Dame. We're the only two defensive oh, yeah. ends in camp, in rookie camp. And they had first team and second team offensive huddle. And they would break the huddle, bam, you know. And the second team would break the huddle, bam, 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 for like two hours. And the veterans weren't even in camp yet. Then they showed up after two weeks of that. So the, it was like ten weeks worth of camp. And sometimes we went three times a day. Oh, no. Tell me about three it. Three times a day. Yeah. I, I think, could you, I don't know that these guys would have even play today if they had to do that, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, they are compensated pretty well to do it, so that might make a make a difference. But I know it would take a, an attitude shift, you know, to be able to do that. Oh. But, <laughs> but you, know, you asked about, uh, you know, what guys were like then. I just was reminded of uh, one thing that, that Bud told me uh, about uh, uh, Mick Tingleoff. And uh, Mick was our center, uh, Hall of Fame center, yep. played 18 years, I think, you know, in the league, you know, at center. Didn't miss very much of anything, you know, including practice or uh, anything. You know, of course, uh, played in every game that he was uh, in Minnesota um, while, while he was here. Well, you know, Bud told us... Uh, rookies you know we came up for uh, right after uh, the draft and and uh bud was talking to us and he said uh, uh if you if you want to really know how to play in the nfl or what it takes to play in the nfl he just he said um, just follow mick tinglehoff around and just do what he does and uh mm-hmm. so i thought we'll see what that means and and uh i gotta tell you you know he was right uh, i can tell you that he is, I don't know what you think, you know, Ryan, but he was uh, the toughest player that I've ever seen, you know, in in my life, you know, for sure, in my football uh, career. Anybody I've seen, I've never seen anybody uh, play through injuries, you know, like he did. And, you know, the first time I met him, uh, you know, he, he didn't really uh, – He's not that real impressive, you know. To be to be honest with you, you know, when you, when you look at him, you know, he he was. I, I was over at the Vikings offices, and uh, Mick came walking up, and uh, for some reason, which I still don't know why, he was uh, he was carrying a broom, you know, with them. And I thought, you know, he came over and you know held out his hand and uh, was going to introduce himself, and I thought he was a janitor, you know, there, and and he. Uh, Holds out his hand, says, "I'm Mick Tinglehoff," and I said, "This is the guy that, you know, Bud said, you know, <laughs> well, followed." The, I had know, almost the exact same experience when I first met yeah. him. Almost exactly the same. He did wasn't holding a broom, but I looked at him like, yeah. I actually walked by him like I didn't. He goes, "Hey, who are you?" And I go, "I'm Ryan Mullaney. Who are you?" And he goes, "I'm Mick Tinglehoff." I go, "What?" <laughs> He was. He kind of looked like an old man, but he wasn't there when I. He he came to camp. He had retired the year before I got there. Uh, okay, was, but he was. He was a different. Yeah, guy. Mick. Yeah, you know he was, and I'll tell you, uh, uh, my rookie year. You know, Mick had been in the league fifteen years. Yep. You know, yep. my my rookie year, and he'd never uh, missed a game, uh, and he'd never missed a practice. In, in all that time. And then our last preseason game happened to be in Denver, uh, as a matter of fact. Um, he broke a collarbone uh, in, in the game. And I saw him coming off the field, and uh, his arm was hanging down. And, and uh, I said to Johnny, I said, uh, I said, Mick's coming out. I said, better, you know, send somebody in, you know, you know, there, and he goes, Mick's not coming out, you know, Mick never comes out, here he comes, you know, over the sideline, and he, and he comes up, and he says, Johnny, I think they got me, and, you know, his arm, his collarbone was broken, his shoulder dislocated, and uh, so he was out for the rest of that game, then uh, next week was our 
first pre- uh, regular season game against uh, the Saints uh, down in New Orleans, and uh, all that week, uh, the the big story was that Mick Tinglehoff was missing practice, you know, for the first time in his career, and that it looked like he was going to miss his first game, you know, in, in 15 years. And uh, uh, right up until the kickoff of that game, they were getting our, our backup center, uh, Doug Dummer, you know, ready to go. He's all fired up, ready to, for his first start, you know, in the NFL. And then right before our kickoff, Mick comes up to Bud on the sideline, and he and he just he says, Bud, he says, I think I can go. And Bud says, then go, you know, go on in there. And so they had to tell Doug, sorry, you don't know. <laughs> and then uh, somebody asked Doug, you know, later, you know, what about that? He says, uh, you know, you're the second team center. And he says, no. He says, I'm really, I'm the third team center. He says, I play behind Mick Tinglehoff and Mick Tinglehoff injured. <laughs> and, yeah, that, and that, was, that was really the truth. And uh, Mick, you know, for the whole rest of the year, you know, he played, and I don't know if that thing ever really healed up, you know, while he was playing. I'm sure and uh, and uh, I tell you, I was impressed. Uh, yeah, I sure. don't do that and, stuff anymore. I don't know if you remember when Mark dislocated his shoulder and they yeah, put a band yeah. around his wrist and they put a hook that hooked his, literally a hook like you latch a gate, a right. hook on it, and then they put an eyelet on his shoulder pads and they hooked the yeah. hook through his jersey. And he would mm-hmm. play with his arm, you know, like that. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't remember who was second team behind him during that period of time, but I thought, there's a guy on the sidelines who's fresh right now, who's right. playing, yeah. who's not playing <laughs> at all. Little Mark's out there playing one-armed, you know. One-armed. I'm like, that's amazing. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, we're going to drill into a little bit of Colorado stuff here, uh, Wes, just to bring it home. Uh, to where we live, uh, Benza. We we have this. Every high school has this nemesis called Valor Christian High School in in Denver, Colorado, where the McCaffreys all went to school. Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey, and you know, I um, I actually interviewed for the head coaching job uh, when it was a trailer, and uh, the the head coach that that became the head coach uh, Sherman. He was the athletic director. And he was going to be a coach on the staff, but he had already he already had his head coach picked, and they were moving up from Orange Lutheran in California to become the staff at uh, Valor Christian High School. And I'm sitting there going, "Why? Why did I come over here?" He goes, "Because I only interview head coaches for my assistant coach <laughs> coaches jobs." He goes, "You guys have a lot to learn being, be, you know, playing football in Colorado. You got a lot of coaching stuff to learn." So. I never did. Uh, I knew uh, Rod really, really well for a lot of years. Uh, he's over at Arapahoe High School now, but Wieselmeyer was there. And then they brought in, uh, then Eddie McCaffrey took over uh, last year. And I saw your, your son. I was at Rock Canyon High School. And I saw your son right. when we played Valor Christian. Rock Canyon was, was not not very good in today's day words. In our words from back in the day, we sucked, you know, but uh, we played Valor, and I saw your son over there, and I go, wow, he's coaching. I went up to say hello to him because I only met him once, and uh, he didn't really recognize me or anything, and I was, uh, was, there were a lot of Denver Broncos on that staff. But the fascinating thing to me is I go, I wonder how many of these guys are really into this thing and how long they're going to coach, you know, here, all these Denver Bronco guys. And I find out that uh, Ben's got two two kids uh, that are playing football there right now, two sons. Yep. yep. And he also became a teacher at the school, which is, I thought, well, here's a guy that's committed, and I find that as a fascinating story. Do you know a little bit of background on that uh, and how Ben's doing with uh, Valor? Because they just had a coaching change. Uh, I don't even know the new coach's name, but how's, yeah, how's I, it going for I think ben? he's doing well. Yeah, it, it was good. It was a good transition for him, you know, out of football. He actually uh, uh, finished his, uh, his uh, degree uh, at uh, DU over there and uh student taught at valor um that worked out really well uh for him and he and he just said this would be a great place to be it's really a long shot but uh, it would be great to, just to go from an intern to uh 
for the job on the, on the staff there. Or, yeah, he he wasn't th- even thinking about uh, football, but just uh, to get the job uh, in the math department there. And uh, sure. uh, turned out he did. He was real happy about that. And uh, you know, it's it's really been a good fit for him. And then uh, football, I you know, I wasn't even sure if he was gonna coach or not. Uh, they didn't. I mean, they had a very good staff in place, you know, already. So it wasn't like they were out looking for, you know, other other people to come in and coach. No, that Tyler, but, uh, I think Tyler, Tyler Palumbus was coaching there as well. Yeah, who's a Denver yep. native, uh, offensive, yep. defensive, Denver Bronco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Palumbus was. Mm-hmm. There. I don't know if he's there this year, but. He was doing some work. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't think so this year. And I, I don't know what's going on over there this year, you know, right now. Uh, new staff courses in there. And sure. I, I don't even know. it. They, they just, I guess they've been practicing, but. They got the schedule on October 9th. So okay. So. A week from Friday. So they're, they're, they're getting there. And, and so, uh, you know. Benny likes coaching, I think. You know, I don't think he would necessarily want to take on being a head coach uh, there or anywhere else uh, right now. But but I think really uh, it's it's mostly because, you know, his kids are at that age right now, and uh, he enjoys just uh, being a part of that because they're there, right, you know, so, as well. So the whole thing – Are they offensive linemen? No, no. This, this whole thing came around for, for, for me in understanding last year when – I'm uh, friends with Wes on his Facebook page, and uh, this highlight film comes up from Ben's oh, yeah. son. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at this kid. He's he's a, he's doesn't have the physical. I saw him live. He doesn't really have the physical. You know, you no, you're not going to walk by him and get nervous. Let me put it to you that way. But this kid is rocking people. I mean, he's yeah. a tough kid. Holy cow! Yeah. I watched that film and I was incredibly impressive. He was only a sophomore last year, wasn't he? Uh, he's a senior this year. Oh, so, so he's a junior. Last what year. position? Uh, he played fullback last year and linebacker. And uh, this year, I'm not sure they're playing a different kind of offense. I don't think they're going to have a fullback uh, in very many formations uh, this year. So he is playing linebacker and. Uh, uh, I guess you call it a H back or how big you know, is something he? How like big that. is he now? Yeah, uh, I think he's about two hundred pounds or so. You know, about uh, five ten. Five ten, two hundred pounds. Right. Okay. Right. So. Does he want to play college football? Yeah, he's gonna. Uh, he's gonna play. He uh, he uh, committed to Colgate uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, nice. So, jeez, it's yeah. a long way from Texas City, Texas, brother. Colgate. That's a great school. Colgate, yeah. Country League, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. It's great. We're going to look it up. You know, I put a couple the, kids uh, at Colgate. Colgate. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. It's Good. a beautiful place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations so, uh, to him, boy. Then, then the other grandson, what position is he playing? He's playing uh, defensive end. And uh, he, he uh, last year he played uh, offensive line as well. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to translate into anything this year, you know, or not. But uh, definitely, he he likes playing defense. And what year is he? He's a ooh, he's a junior. Okay, yeah, we'll have, yeah. To, go, I'll have to pay a little more attention and uh, try and see see a game or two over there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I know Ben has other kids. He has. Uh, do they all go to uh, Valor? Are they all? Uh, they to go to will. Valor? Uh, yeah, they will when they uh, get. Those are the only two that are in high school right now. And he's got three other kids that are uh, coming up. Wow! You know, their youngest is ten. Team. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> working on uh, working on baseball, baseball team. You know. So, so is Ben your only, or how many kids did you have, Wes? Uh, I got three. Three. And uh, yep, uh, uh, Ben's got a brother and a sister. Okay, nice. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I've only only known of Ben because of uh, because of being out here in Colorado with him, and you know he's got a really good reputation as being uh, kind of a, a gentle giant type of mentality. He's, uh, his kindness. I know that you've really all, just yeah. like just like most okay. offensive linemen, right, right Wes. <laughs> He, does, he doesn't eat yeah. as much as you do, Coop. He's still, he's still young and he likes the, I don't know. I just heard you say something about 270, and I was sitting there saying, huh, oh, that's what I weigh. So 
Well, I, I got to tell you, I, I, I close my mouth as a defensive lineman, yeah. as you usually don't. Well, I have to tell you that uh, this COVID virus has gotten me being. It was, you know, I was co- actually quarantined. I have a uh, uh, stepson who lives in our house. who's recovering. He and his family came back from Thailand. They're living in my house. He's recovering from cancer. So when the COVID hit, I couldn't leave the house. I literally could not leave the house for two and a half months. And then I went and stayed and, you know, couldn't go back home unless I quarantined in this little cottage my wife and I stayed in. It was 300 square feet. And there was literally no exercise, no nothing I could do. And I put on about 20 pounds, but I'll take it off. I'll be back to the old, I'll be back to the old uh, fight. I'm looking at it. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people, good. a lot of us have used that excuse. <laughs> it's, it's the virus. Thank you, Thank you Wes. Thank you. I, I wanted to go there, but I'm glad you did. Uh the excuses keep you in survival mode. Well, that's right. Well, <laughs> anyway, yeah. I've, plus, I have a wife who likes to bake cookies. Oh, there you go. Every time she thinks that I'm upset about something, I end up with a dozen cookies. But <laughs> God bless her for for that. So uh, we're uh, we're going to have to uh, talk a little bit about our sponsor uh, that yeah. sponsors our show. Uh, Wes, we have a. Uh, a guy that uh, his name is Florian McCann. Uh, he owns a, a place called Mile High Aeration here in Colorado. And Florian, uh, I met Florian uh, when he brought me his son uh, going into his sophomore year of high school. And his son was, he said, look, I, I need you to help my son. He really wants to play college football. He really wants to be a college football player. And but he's not, he's physically a mess, I think, you know, and I looked at the, his kid and it was funny because his son came in and, uh, he couldn't do two push-ups, and he was—he was a big kid, and a tall, a uh, lot of extra weight on he shouldn't have on, and so uh, he's now up at Colorado State University, where where Mark played as an offensive lineman. He's in his redshirt mm-hmm. sophomore year. He ended up uh, doing some great things, but Florian and I became great friends, and he's got a company, Mile High Aeration, that uh, that uh, right now is a premier time to have your your lawn aerated in Colorado, particularly because we have this this clay soil out here that's really tough to work with. And you have to have it aerated to keep it healthy throughout the winter, and then you have to do it in the, in the spring as well. So uh, during the fall right now, uh, fluorine and mile-high aeration are the are the answer to uh, keeping your, your lawn alive out in Colorado. I got to give up the phone number for mile-high aeration. Uh, Florian's a great man. Yeah, you should get to know him, a good friend of mine. Um, and he, his phone number at Mile High Aeration is 303-778-1000. 303-778-1000. You should call. It gets real busy this time of year because people who are in the know know that they have to get this done. So uh, you can also go to their website at milehighservices.com. That's milehighservices.com, and you can actually set up an appointment through the website as well. Yeah, get it before the snow flies. Yeah, it's got to get and done probably in the next three or four weeks unless we have a real warm, you know, Indian month, summer, Indian summer or something. Know. But got to get got to get going. So, Wes, when are you coming out, coming out to Colorado? Are you going to come out and see some games or anything like that? Yeah, we'd love to. We don't have anything on the calendar right now, but uh, we, we usually get out there for a game or two. So uh, uh, you can you can count on it. All right, man. Well, listen, you good. Hey, we'll high, we'll high low them together, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got to give me some of those soccer shin pads first. Let's get, let's get in shape. Let's get in shape. All right. So, uh, Ben, thanks for uh, – Ben, Wes, thanks for coming. You did yeah. that to me. See what I'm saying? Wes, do you see what I have to work with? Yeah, it's a, it's a cross we all have to bear. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It's a cross. <laughs> I'm not going to go into this stuff. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go into it. That's beautiful. I'm just. I'm being nice to you today. I'm going to be. I'm being nice to you today. Hey, uh, Wes. Thanks for uh, coming on and talking, yeah, and uh, yeah. hopefully we'll see you My in uh, Colorado when you come into town. Let's do. Yeah. Let's try and get together when you get in town. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, that yeah. sounds good. Good All talking right. to you guys. All right, Wes. Thanks a lot. And uh, All right. You can uh, stay on if you want. We're just going to do a little promo for Caldwell Banker here at the end. Uh, 
Wes, and then we're going to say say goodbye. But you can hang on if you want. Okay. Or All right. I think I'm going to go ahead and scoot, and All right. then I'll, uh, Look I'll forward check to you guys you. later. Okay. okay. Thanks yeah. a lot, Wes. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, guys, we're uh, going to wrap this thing up and talk about Caldwell Banker for a minute and, and any of your real estate needs. So, uh, as you know, uh, Moles is brand new to the real estate business, but uh, has been in business in general for his entire life, uh, putting kids in college, um, in the corporate world, you name it. So sales is nothing new to him. And uh, the market's been vibrant. Uh, things are going on and off the market. We're as low in inventory as we've ever been in 20 years. Uh, financing is a little tough for jumbo financing, so keep that in mind. And always, uh, if you're talking to a lender, talk to us, and we'll tell you who to talk to because I can't tell you how many deals are falling because some of the lenders are out of that jumbo <laughs> business. So uh, outside of that, um, you can give me a call at 303-843-1545, and you can give Moles a call at uh, 720-722-1559. Uh, he lives up in Evergreen. I'm down here in the metro. Uh, we both handle you know, from A to Z. Uh, all across the Front Range in the five-county region. And, heck, I've done stuff out in Kiowa and Breckenridge and you name it over the years because we uh, real estate license in Colorado is a state license, but you don't operate out of your comfort zone. So uh, feel free yeah, to You should probably it. stay out of the mountains. You're a flatliner. <laughs> flatlander. Yeah. Yeah, flatlander. Call, they call us flatlanders up there, right? But uh, You live in Saudi Aurora. So I sold uh, recently sold a house up in Pine, believe it or not. Gorgeous. Pine. Gorgeous home. Yeah. Pine's becoming a suburb it of is. Denver. It is. It's all expanding all the way out yeah. to Bailey. And high, you should see the home prices. Highwan's right there off of I seventy uh, corridor, and there's some. You know, they've put a bunch of beautiful homes right in that area, and uh, you know that that whole Golden Corridor and running up through Cal Dennis or oh gosh, Cal, I can't even remember the name, I can't pronounce the name of the subdivision. But we're filling in all the way to Boulder now, so it's been uh, interesting watching, you know, where the suburbs move out east and and northwest. You know, and it's where the water's at. Oh, it's it's amazing. All the way up to Bailey now, we're yeah. seeing home prices. Uh, you know, an average home in Bailey now is like three hundred fifty-six thousand dollars, which right. is very high. If you know Bailey, it's an hour from four seventy almost. Exactly. And you're seeing it spread all on two eighty-five because uh, the I seventy corridor, quite frankly, is somewhat of a poop show. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's no, so it crowded that now you're you're it, seeing it all grow. It creates a Deer drive, Creek Canyon area and all that. You know, so. uh, creates an issue for folks coming out of uh, off that evergreen exit and out of high and those areas especially on the weekends when you've got that mountain traffic fridays you know really thursday friday through the whole weekend i mean even it's Monday terrible morning, so it's tough but i-70 is rough but 285 is not uh, 285 yeah. is getting rough yeah. now but if you live on a buzz, uh, give us a buzz for all your real estate needs and um again if you're talking about financing we've you know i've been working with lenders over the years i had a lender's license um, know the drill, know who to talk to, know where there's specialty financing available for first-time home buyers for non-warrantable condos, which are very difficult, um, and jumbo stuff that's uh, almost impossible to find right now. Well, that's the end of the show. Another good one. Wes was awesome. Awesome. And we'll uh, see talk you in, to you. See you in episode six. Episode six. See you. Oh my God, bad red. <laughs> a food, right? Yeah. Food. You got a food. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you remember a lot better than I do. But oh my it's, God. It's, it's, it's all flooding back now. You know, that's what's so fun about this show. And um, when I meet with guys, right, you know, you have something in common with people. And then all of a sudden, like, stories, it's like, it's like a flood of stories and memories. Oh, yeah. We've made it about halfway through most of this stuff that I sent you. Oh yeah, all we right, good. Go off into the hitherto's. But I saw your the one that you had out there yesterday or the day before with the uh, some of your uh, your players that you coached. Yeah, the guys from St. Francis and yeah, yeah and all yeah. that. So yeah, yeah. So I did see that one. Give you a little background here. That's great. So Coop and I have been friends for, uh, I actually met him in doing camps, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Now that you say that, it's been a long time. It's been a while, it's been a long time. We started doing camps. I started doing camps with him to start out with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I got a contract with the Denver Broncos. And, uh, yeah. Ultimately end up with a contract with something like 14 NFL teams to do these camps for them through a business I had uh, training athletes. And uh, we've... Our company was, I just closed it last 
September and it never closed. <laughs> Keep doing uh, that, right? But, uh, that all. You're not going to be that guy, are you? <laughs> yeah, Monday Night Football. So anyway, come on that and uh, we trained a lot of athletes. Ultimately, he had he has a son, Cameron Cooper, who plays for UTEP. Now he's an offensive lineman at UTEP and ended up working with his son as well. Um, mm -hmm. I, all I did, uh, I went to like 200 colleges and just studied every position and every form of offense and defense you could do just so I knew what the colleges would recruit. So we put over we put over two thousand players on college scholarship across the country. When he says we, it was him. I, I was only involved with him in the, in the in the very end doing camps, like in the last five or six years. Mm -hmm. I'm only saying we through false humility. <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep him coming back, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, but uh, anyway, that's why I I was a brunette five years ago. This happened when I met Coop. But uh, <laughs> I'm just waiting for it to go blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't have as many uh, cosmetic appointments around town as Coop does. Oh, oh, oh. He's got, oh he's okay. Got a lot of keepers.